Uh, do you want to pick one? Yeah. How's the veganism going, Dara? Oh, uh, whoa, that's you really put me on the spot now. I am not a vegan. Uh, so this is definitely a John Martin question. I'm, I'm pretty sure to get me to say I'm not a real vegan on the podcast, which is true. I, I'm a vegan except for cheese. Welcome to Rockefeller's Storytellers, a podcast by Dead Horse Jive, Ireland's best dressed rock and roll band. So in each episode two of Dead Horse Jive, we'll sit down for a long-ish conversation. The questions for each episode will be written by the other members of the band. So yeah, this is the only podcast in which a band basically interviews itself on a weekly basis. All right, welcome, welcome to episode... Four. We've concluded this episode four. I had lost count before we started recording. Um, yeah, this is cool. It's the first outing that I've had with the band. Uh, if this is an outing, we're, we're not even in the same room, but you know, <laughs> all good. It's, it's an outing, but it's an inside outing. So yeah, it's my undying pleasure to uh, introduce and unveil Yvonne Kylie, everyone. Yeah. Oh, it's cool. I'm glad to be involved and yeah the episodes have been good so far uh, interesting to get an insight into people you know we're there sometimes we talk about like guitars and music and modes and scales and stuff what's that what's that like as um or perhaps you know all about the ins and outs of guitar and modes and scales uh, i suppose i i don't know but what's that like as i suppose a I, I suppose like i get it because i play violin but not really so much anymore so you know when joyce was talking about how important scales are and stuff i was like yeah yeah i can see but in terms of like the tech stuff and the equipment in my head, I'm like, oh, that must be really useful for somebody who isn't me. And I can yeah. see how useful it is. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, it is mostly kind of just stuff I've never been involved in. I completely forgot that you play violin. Completely. I don't talk about it much. I don't say, uh, I don't play in front of people. Fair enough. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not going to say maybe you should or something kind of cliched like that. But uh, but when we're when we're opining about music theory, you're you're kind of with us. But as soon as we start talking about DI boxes and chaining XLRs, you're like, cool, yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I suppose it's possibly good for us to to bear that in mind when we start getting a bit too technical. But also, you know, I mean, presumably <laughs> there's someone out there. Hopefully, hopefully there's someone listening who would. Who yeah, would definitely. That yeah. Uh, all right, let's crack on with these questions. Yeah, there's loads of questions here. Yeah, Those of you, if you're listening to your first ever episode of Rockefeller Storytellers, uh, how it works is uh, everybody else in the band has written questions for me and Yvonne to, to discuss. Uh, so we're going to go straight in with question one. Question one's a doozy. Are you ready? Yeah, ready for this. So what do you think of the pubs reopening with restrictions? I'm really happy in one sense, but to me... What I love about pubs is the randomness of when you're walking through the pub to get from one place to another and the, the side quests that happen along the way. So, you know, you're going to the bathroom, but that takes you an hour and a half because you have bumped into someone or you're getting yeah. a drink at the bar and suddenly you're in conversation with someone that you don't know or, you know, these, these things that draw you away. And I think the, the rules are that you have to sit at your table. Oh, man. You don't get to go up to the bar to order your drink. There's no kind of floating around the way that you normally would when you've had a few. And I, I, I miss yeah. that. So you, yeah. the idea would think? be that you would go to the pub with probably the exact same people you live with, sit at a table, not speaking to anyone else, 
have a few you pints. Might shout across the room and be like, hey, Sean. Yeah. 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 You know, it sounds, to be honest, it sounds slightly better than sitting at home with the exact same people having cans. Or, you know, not not better or worse or whatever, but like it sounds different enough to be worth trying. But mm-hmm. it sounds rather unpleasant and really like anxiety inducing. You know, I'm sitting at my table, but what are the what are the guarantees that everyone else is going to sit at theirs, not come over, you know, mm-hmm. breaking all the rules uh, around me? I just personally, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able. I'd be I'd be looking, I'd be side eyeing everyone all the time. Like, are you sitting? Are you sitting? <laughs> Are you, not, are you coughing into your elbow? But and there's no else. music. There's no live music as well. Yeah, so I'm just fired, like, you know? So, <laughs> I mean, obviously, I, I hope we'll get back to live music in pubs at some point. But um, even speaking as someone who does this, plays lives in pubs and would have an interest in restarting, I can't mm. imagine how it could be done. Um, now, if you are someone who's out there listening who can imagine how it could be done, please, like... Uh, we want to hear from you. We let, need you. Let us know. But, you know, it's going to be someone's job to to develop a way that pubs can reopen safely, to write it down in a series of really stringent guidelines. You know, hopefully they'd be clear enough that we would just do it and it would work and mm. it would be brilliant. But from right now... Now, I mean, you've you've read the the restrictions that exist, the proposed restrictions... Do you think, like, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of making it sound like I would never, ever, ever do it. But do you think it, it actually sounds workable from, from where you are? I think um, as long as it's maintaining a level of employment for people, maybe it'll create more jobs if, if they have to have table service. You know, mm. if people have to be on shifts for a specified amount of time or something. I think it would be really useful if it created more jobs. That is a fair point. You know, I noticed in my, in my local super value, the number of staff they have on has doubled, if not tripled yeah, i mean yeah. it's certainly bigger anyway because that's that's just what it takes you know they they wouldn't be able to operate the oak safely without having those kinds of numbers of of staff mm. to you know make sure everyone is doing doing the right thing and looking after each other and making sure the shelves are stocked and making sure that you know people they, are what i don't know i don't know what kind of like the numbers that you could have in a pub at this stage now depending on the size yeah, yeah. depending on the pub and i mean if your pub only has one door, mm. obviously there'll be an emergency exit as well. But like, how do you manage people coming in and out? If I'm going out for a smoke at the same time, someone's coming in for a pint. Is there going to be someone standing there to be like, you wait, you walk, now you go, you know, like, mm. like they have that at supermarkets. Now there is someone, um, there is someone on the door all the time. to manage. That. Yeah. I've gotten kind of like friendly with my local person who does that. And like, we never talk to each other, but we make eye contact. And like, that's my human contact for the past two months. It's brilliant. That is really nice. And that person, I'm sure that person is really grateful that you don't just ignore them as well. Do you know what I mean? And just like, you know, they're doing, they're doing a job that's really difficult being like, you better wash your hands. You better spray that basket. I mean, I'm, well, they don't say it like that, you know? No, they don't say it like they're in an action movie and it's like, if you don't spray that down, I'm going to kick your ass, you know. Um, but it is, it's a tough job and uh, mm. I wouldn't do it anyway. I'd be like, would you mind if, like, and the first time someone was like, I'm not spraying that basket, I'd be like, fine, I quit. <laughs> 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 so Let's go on we- to a different one. So sure. maybe we can do the one about Galway Race Week at the end. Um, oh yeah we can talk about that you know as Galway people um what about number three when do you think bands could start gigging again 
man, I have no idea. Not only do I have no idea, I have no framework for estimating. I don't know. Do you know? Like, and I've heard ranges of estimates. And like, like myself, like the estimates seem to be based on absolutely nothing. They're based on like, oh, yeah, I read one article on Joe about, you know, there won't be a vaccine for 15 years. So, yeah, well, I guess we'll be gigging in 2035. I'm like, man, you know, make an effort. But then other people are like, yeah, sure. The pubs will be open in August. We'll be gigging straight away. And like, you know, and everything in between. Uh, yeah, I've heard the same kind of, there were gigs that I wanted to go to in June that are now happening in November and they're still going ahead, but they have the capacity to draw a crowd, even though that crowd will be much smaller, you know, yes. because they can't sell out the venue, you know, so kind of bigger bands who would be able to do that are just going ahead with it and that's fine for them. But I don't think it's worthwhile for bands to go touring if there's only going to be like max 20% capacity at the place that they're playing at. Unless you want to start charging people five times the price. Do you know what that means? A 50 euro gig is going to be a 250 euro gig and a five euro, like a five euro gig becoming a 25 euro gig is one thing. But like if you're already, you know, putting your pennies away to pay for a 50 quid ticket, like there's no way it's going to be conceivable, really, is it? I mean, I don't know. Maybe people would pay. You'd have to offer all these extras, you know, we'll we'll take you out to dinner and we'll we'll go to a nightclub afterwards. there, there are people who are willing, like, I mean, scalpers have proven that there are people who are willing to part with three and four hundred euro to go and see Bruce Springsteen or uh, Beyonce. Do you know what I mean? But uh, mm. do you think that'd be good? You know, going to a gig in, say, the Three Arena or Croke Park with only a few ridiculously affluent people who can afford to shill out on uh, on a 500 quid ticket to see this artist do you know what i mean I, it sounds kind of stale but then but i mean like even if you look it. at the regular prices for like an ed sheeran stadium tour it's 150 pounds and that's like them trying to be fair yeah. so if that's the baseline for being fair we're not really in a good place anyway even before the the crisis and everything happened things were still really dear. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a weird argument. Um, it's a strange one. It depends who you are and where you are and your own ethics and all the rest. I kind of took this question into a place where we were only talking about big name acts with like with massive numbers of euros involved for, for bands operating and more of the uh, 10 to 20 euro level uh, playing in venues that are basically pubs with, with a stage or you know pubs with a really good sound system. It's hard to it's hard to imagine when gigging will resume. Yeah, next summer seems like a decent enough point to work towards. Yeah, it feels like the return to some some degree of normality or the ascent into the new normality, if we consider the old world to be. Yeah, oh, the old world is gone. I've forgotten about who I was, you know, six months ago. <laughs> I just remembered my name this morning. So, oh <laughs> man, I'm a totally different person now. I uh, meditate and do yoga and make sourdough. Um, will we select another one? Yeah, let's go on. Do you want to try number four? I don't know what this question means. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll ask it. I'll see if I can break <laughs> it down a little bit. So the question is, and I quote, Dennis is asshole, why Charlie hate? So this seems to be about, uh, it's all sunny in Philadelphia, right? Yeah, I know, but I probably haven't seen this episode. I don't know. Same, same. But you do watch the show? Yeah, yeah. I've watched bits of the show. I can't watch the show. I find it, I was like, it's very good, you know. I'm, I don't not watch it because I don't like it. Well, see, my views on it are, are, are complex. <laughs> I find it to be too 
realistic as to the direction that the world is actually going in. And when I watch it, I don't laugh. I just get sad and it ruins my day. That's why I don't watch So Sunny in Philadelphia, even though I think it is good and I do like it. Everyone in, in the show, the characters are dreadful human beings. Um, but yeah, I had no idea that this was an Always Sunny reference. I think it's an Always Sunny reference. If it's not an Always Sunny reference, uh, then it'll be fine. I'll just edit this bit out. <laughs> okay, cool. We chuck out another question. Yeah. Is it my turn or your, or your turn? Or? Uh, your turn. Um, I'm going to go all the way to question 17, uh, which is a question for both of us. This is kind of connected to the last thing we were talking about. Uh, do you know what you look for in music? What makes you go, yup, that's a bop? Um, I think, I mean, kind of my genre of choice would be like prog rock and psychedelic rock and that kind of world, you know, old stuff and new stuff. And I think it's kind of like a body reaction. And then my mind recognizes that my body likes something. If I'm listening to a recording of something, it's, you kind of, it's more about the instruments and then the lyrics would be kind of after that. So I, you know, if I like this kind of sexy guitar riff and there's a bass line and something um, that kind of makes my body move or something, or I feel it in my body, I know that then I've kind of, I'm onto something and I'll look up more of that band or I'll buy some of their music and all the better if you can see it live. You know, like when I saw Dead Horse Jive live, I don't know when the first time was, I can't even remember. And every, every gig since, you know, you did a gig in the underground back in... December? It was December, wasn't it? Uh, November, December. Yeah, it was certainly the winter anyway, yeah. It was around that time anyway. And um, I brought one of my classmates to it and um, both of us kind of turned around at the end and he was like, oh, I can see why you like them. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's the same feeling every time. So I think when you have this kind of good combination of people who are doing something true to them with some kind of sexy bass line and guitar riff and something happening, that's kind of... It plays into my interests in rock music, basically. I'm kind of like you as well in that I, I engage with the music first and the lyrics later. Yeah. Um, this may or may not be true, but I have the impression that a lot of people don't do that. I have songs that I really love. I have no idea what they're about, you know, because I've never really engaged with the lyrics at all. And I can't, I couldn't sing the chorus. Do you know what I mean? This yeah. may be part of why you know obviously laziness is the main factor but uh part of why i have such trouble memorizing lyrics you know i do go for the music first and then and then the lyrics after but there is something very kind of bodily about that do you know what i mean yeah there's some kind of a matching up of rhythms in between yourself and something else between the music and you and i I don't know if other people agree with that or think it's just total nonsense but that's kind of how it feels yes Concluded. Yes, it's nonsense. Yes. Oh, no. Yes, I agree with you. It's not nonsense. Sorry, that was unclear. Mm. Yes, you feel the music in the body. The body moves. The mind goes, yup. Okay, I think that answers your question, Martin. Do you think? <laughs> was that Martin, Martin's question? How can you tell? Well, I, I really think it's Martin's question. The way he's phrased, yup, that's a bop. You are listening to Rockefeller Storytellers by Dead Horse Jive, the podcast where a band interviews itself on a weekly basis. We would love to hear from you if you have thoughts about today's episode. So you can get in touch on Facebook, send us a message, you can tweet us, Instagram, or you can send us an email at deadhorsejiveband at gmail.com. If you like today's episode, then please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts or do it the old fashioned way and tell a friend. 
And now, with no further ado, it's back to Rockefeller's Storytellers. Uh, do you want to pick one? Yeah, how's the veganism going, Dara? Oh, uh, whoa, that's you really put me on the spot now. I am not a vegan. Uh, so this is definitely a John Martin question, I'm, I'm pretty sure, to get me to say I'm not a real vegan on the podcast, which is true. I, I'm a vegan except for cheese. Okay, that makes sense. Like, that's, that's cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty close. But the short answer is, it's going grand. You know, I'm on, I'm on a path towards veganism. I'm definitely, definitely meatless now. You know, I'll probably, mm. hopefully, I, I won't eat any more meat. And, like, I've been meatless since, I think, February was the last time I had any meat at all. And uh, yeah. I genuinely don't miss it. And I don't go, oh, I'd love a bit of pepperoni. A bit of pepperoni would really complete this pizza. Give me them tomatoes any day of the week. Uh, Do you feel like you're kind of eating substitutes and thinking about them as meat or you're just not thinking about meat at all? Um, sometimes, yeah. I mean, like halloumi is is a great meat substitute because it gets, you can fry it and it gets crispy, you know. But then, like, if you want to buy halloumi, it's like a fiver. So I'm not going to be getting three packs of halloumi a week to replace all the meat I used to eat. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think if, you, if you're going to try and substitute meat, I think you're you're going to have a bad time because it's just going to be like not good enough to, to replace the meat thing. Whereas by going a completely different route and eating more, you know, bean based meals, bean chilies and uh, bean stews. I mean, not to say that beans is everything now, but uh, uh, it is though. I think like I did, I was a vegetarian for a while because I had a really bad experience at body and soul back in 2016. I ate some bad ribs and I just stopped eating meat after that festival. You know, I'm back on it now, but still, it was actually really easy. Just stop yeah, eating it. Didn't miss it. You'll no. notice that no one ever says, oh, I ate some bad spinach. No, never, never. I ate a yeah. bad banana. Like if you eat a bad banana, it just tastes a bit weird and then it's fine. But like, so, Yeah, with the bad ribs, you don't know that they're bad until you're sick. So, Yeah, and yeah. then you're violently ill for many hours, if not days. Yeah, that was a bad festival. Yeah. And it like, you know, Body and Soul is only two or three days. Like, I mean, it, it ruins your whole festival. And like, that's just money and time down the drain then, you know. And it's all because of the meat. Um, but all of that is to say veganism is going fine, given that I'm not really a vegan. And it's not even like I'm not really a vegan. I'm really not a vegan. I eat cheese and I love it. But I would like to move in the direction of veganism and like stop drinking milk. I've... I have alternative milk with my tea now. But again, like that's like a carton of milk is like a euro and a carton of alternative milk is like two euro. So every everything is a choice and there's, you know, I pay more for milk now, you know. I'm not really that happy about that, but like, what are you going to do? Will you pick another one? Uh, what about this one from episode two? Can you describe what it was like to learn the melody to that song Shocks wrote just to dick with you? So remember he was saying he wrote a song oh, yeah. just to piss you off to make it really complicated. Yeah, so this is a callback to Rockefeller Storytellers episode two where Shox and Martin discussed uh, songwriting techniques and strategies and Shox told a story about a time that he wrote uh, a song that was easy for everyone in the band except me because the melody, the notes of the melody weren't in any of the chords that were that the band was playing in the back in, in the harmony. It was really hard to learn that, really hard uh, enjoyable at first. I was like, yeah, this is a great challenge uh, that my friend Shox has set me and I'm going to boss it and we're going to 
we're going to have a, a good time and a great laugh. And then after about 20 minutes of failing to learn the melody without just going back to notes that were in the chords, I got really mad and sad. And then like weeks later, I was still making the same mistake. And I was like, you're a bad man. And he was like, I know. And laughing at me. So that's it. That's the whole what story. Song, what song is it? Soft Focus. Oh, right. That's a good song. That's something maybe listeners haven't heard much of. Yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a class song. And the melody in the chorus, the way that the melody deviates from, like the chords set up this expectation that the melody is going to go a certain way. And then the melody really deliberately deviates from that in order to fuck with me, obviously. But the, the effect that it produces is really, really beautiful and memorable. And yeah, it's like, I think it's one of our best songs. Like, But it came out of uh, a place of revenge. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it came out of a, well, it came out of a, a bit of messing, I suppose, you know, because <laughs> I, I had written this song, uh, the song uh, that I brought to the band, it, it took me like two years to write and I different, I was like, ah, it's, it's okay, but it's all kind of flat. So I put in a bunch of key changes and it was really tough for the band to, to learn. And uh, there was no sense to the key changes other than, ah, I think I need a key change here. Fuck it. You know, let's do it. So uh, they hated me for that. So then Shock's, uh, Shock's got his own back. But the result... The re- like, it's a class song. The result is a class song. And like Soft Focus is, is a brilliant, brilliant song. And the other one, the one I wrote down in the mud is, is, is okay too. But Soft Focus is, is up there. Like, I mean, like if it ever gets to the radio, it will never off the radio is my genuine feeling about that song yeah uh we crack out another one yeah what's the first gig you're going to go to post lockdown imagine sufficient time has passed for it to be safe and you magically don't have to wait for ages i want to go somewhere where i can have a bit of an elbow in my face and in my back kind of experience you know a, a little bit of a mosh pit somewhere just because I haven't seen people for so long. So mm. I don't usually go for mosh pits. I'm kind of like on the outside holding my drink, just like, please don't spill this, you know? Yeah, probably Vernon Jane's new album is really good. And I'd like to see them. And I think there's opportunities for a good headbang somewhere in there. What about you? I have tickets to Elbow, which was supposed to be on March 29th or something like that. It was certainly March anyway. And that was rescheduled to June. And now it's been rescheduled to October. I'm not in a position to know for sure, but I can't see it going ahead in October. So uh, yeah. hopefully that'll be the first gig that I'll go to, you know, once once gigging is deemed safe. You know, I don't know what it'll take to make gigging safe without there being a vaccine. But once gigging is deemed safe, hopefully that gig will go ahead and I'll, I'll get to see them. It'll be, the, I think, the fourth time. Um, will we pick another one? Yes, let's do another one. Would we do like maybe one, maybe two more and then quick fire the other ones? Yeah, cool. Yeah, I feel like I should do the kind of one about me getting involved with the band because I don't think people really know. I'll ask that one and uh, and uh, you can do your thing. So, for Yvonne, can you talk about becoming involved with the band and in general about yourself? This is like a job interview now. <laughs> um, yeah, I called up Dara and just asked. But unbeknownst to the band, I had been kind of thinking for a year about being the manager of the band. So I spent a good time thinking about it. You hear sometimes of managers who just kind of fall into the role or like when you read their biographies, it's like, oh, I just found myself to be managing this band and I don't buy it. I don't believe that that ever happens because being so naturally good at it, you just don't even realize you're doing it. That doesn't happen. Um, But yeah, I just got involved by making a phone call and everyone was 
cool. Yeah, that's 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 it. <laughs> Yvonne decided over a long period that she really wanted to manage the band, and then she asked. Yeah, just Which ask. Is, you know, that's how it all starts. That's definitely how Brian Epstein started with the Beatles as well. You know. Uh, I don't actually know what the the stupid story behind Brian Epstein getting involved with the Beatles is, but like, yeah, I mean, obviously, if you're going to do anything to any level, you have to. It has to be a kind of a studied approach. And like, when you came to the band, it was like, I think I can do this for the band. We were like, that sounds like exactly what we want. Imagine, <laughs> I have the exact thing you need. Oh, you have the exact <laughs> thing I want. So you're going to do the in general about yourself. We already know you play violin. Yeah, no, but no one knows what I sound like, though. So I can just say I'm fantastic and nobody will know. I believe um, I've, you've never lied to me before, so I have no reason to disbelieve you now. Uh, in general, yeah, I write about music. I interview people and conduct research. And I did a music business course just there uh, with BIM. So kind of getting more involved in that side of things. You know, so writing about music has been going on for a few years and that's just a passion project and so yeah it's interesting for me as as a musician and a songwriter to imagine why someone would be interested in getting involved in the music industry without themselves playing music do you know what i mean what's that like that's kind of a it's, bad bad question i think i've no I've, it, it makes it wrong, but. i've never thought about it like that um i suppose because i'm not coming at it from that side either so i suppose a fascination with learning more about people which kind of existed before my interest in, in music anyway. Yep. So, you know, I first got involved with music as a writer in general, you know, a few years ago when I noticed that there wasn't much reporting going on for the Galway scene, for the drum and bass community. Yeah. And I saw that as a problem that needed to be fixed. And then I decided, oh, this is actual, this is what journalism is. I better just go do this and try and solve something. It's being curious about people. So like I do a lot of interviewing and sometimes I feel that when I'm doing this kind of stuff that I'm wanting to ask all the questions and listen rather than actually talking about myself because I'm just right. curious to know, you know, I'm, I'm much more used to asking questions rather than answering them. So right so, then when, when, when I was like, tell us about yourself, you were like, no. <laughs> yeah, I find myself thinking, God, well, there's, there's nothing to say, but there, there's, there's a lot to say. It's just, I suppose it's a curiosity thing and wanting to know things. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm coming from with that as a writer and as a, a researcher. And, and the manager thing just kind of grew from that, I think. It's the same kind of thing where you're, you see something that you like and you want to support it and get involved. Mm. The manager is there to support the vision that the band has rather than give it one. And you're, you're there because you're, you're believing in it yourself. Even the way that we talk about these things, like having a vision and and pushing things up, it sounds kind of esoteric, but that is that is the reality of what's involved. Like, I mean, isn't it? Mm. Like that you have to yeah. kind of like identify what these things are, uh, talk about them in very metaphorical terms, and then try and make them real. Yeah, like Bosh. get get your micro actions ready. And I think that's where I find myself drawn to the kind of the planning, the turning the big picture stuff into the micro actions and then figuring out how to do that it's a problem solving thing again i think oh wow that was it that's like <laughs> you just did it live on air it's like you got to take it in these metaphorical terms and make it real and you just did it straight away like <laughs> uh, what's a micro action don't don't i'll just google it yeah we'll be quick fire the rest of them so and see see how we get on yeah cool oh we'll save number two for the end ah, as great. promised why do you love joycey um, 
he's a really good guitarist. Full stop. No, I'm, I'm messing. Uh, really good guitarist. Very hard working. Uh, he's definitely one of the funniest people I know. Like, uh, he's just effortlessly funny. It's fucking infuriating, to be honest. Uh, number six. What is the greatest sitcom of this decade? But definitely Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I wholeheartedly still agree. funny. That yeah, is brilliant. The greatest sitcom of all time. Like, it's, it's my put it on when I'm sad and I will immediately be happy TV show. Johnny, number nine. So can you rank in terms of relative success the stints of David Moyes, Louis van Gaal, Jose Marino, and someone's name I can't pronounce? Yeah, it's Norwegian. Um, I, I'll do it. Uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. That was wrong. Man United. That's a football team. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and your pronunciation of Man United was spot on. Uh, so Jose Mourinho's at the bottom, then Moyes, then van Gaal, and then Solskjaer at the top. And Solskjaer is, is the man and should be king. Next question. I'll take your word for that. Yeah. Yeah. There's no one. There's no one to to raise a counter <laughs> argument here, and everyone else in the band either loves Liverpool, um, uh, or hates football, and it's just me and John Martin, uh, who are into Man United. We've done them all, except Great. number two. Do you want to ask it, or will I ask it? Yeah, I don't mind. Um, so, are we looking forward to Galway Race Week? Let's imagine that Race Week is upon us on the August bank holiday weekend. This Are we year, happy? finally, I don't mind the Galway race week. You're not in Galway anymore, though. A fair point, yeah. I moved to Roscommon specifically to escape the Galway race week. Um, yeah, I hate race week. I hate that it's allowed and rag week isn't. To me, they're like literally exactly the same. People behave in broadly similar ways. I don't think it's, I don't think it's right for people not from Galway to come to Galway for one week and just kind of wreck the joint. And I think the people of Galway have put up with it for far too long. Mm, I agree. I avoid it as much as possible. When I, when I was living in Galway, we just stayed away from town and just didn't want to go near it. And then you'd see the videos the next day of, you know, or maybe that was rag week. I'm getting mixed up. They're both the same. Like, you're right. Yeah. People, are, people are just better dressed when they go to the Galway races, but they still get blind drunk. There needs to be a better way of doing those kinds of festivals that doesn't involve everybody being their worst self for a full week once a year. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. Um, what you need is one of those like water squirting bottles that you use for pets when they do something wrong and just like back off. Yes. Drunk people are like animals and and I do talk to them like they're animals. If someone's coming at me and they're just like very, very drunk and making no sense at all, I will kind of go like, <laughs> like they're a horse like and i learned that on from the Galway races a horse racing festival oh my god this is so improper i can't gotta edit this out a lot of this is going on the cutting room floor um that brings us to the end of the fourth episode of uh rockefeller storytellers um are we done can i go now yeah we're done Thank you very much for listening to Rockefeller Storytellers, the podcast by Dead Horse Jive. If you like what you hear and you want to hear more, then we are on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, Bandcamp, and all the other usual online places. We are also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and we would love to hear from you. So please get in touch if you want to let us know what you thought of this week's episode, or if you have any questions of your own for the band. 
If you're feeling extra generous and you want to do your part to help keep independent musicians afloat, then you can send us a small tip on paypal.me forward slash deadhorsejive. All contributions, no matter how large or small, will help us to pay for things such as recording time, touring expenses, purchasing new equipment, and the marketing we use to help get our music out there. Once again, thank you very much for listening to Rockefeller's Storytellers. We hope you enjoyed and see you next time.